Eels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Regan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has to be a De Beer. G'day and welcome to Green and Gold Rugby, the podcast that's getting you over the gain line with everything to do with Australian rugby. It's Matt Rowley, your host for tonight. Reg basically couldn't handle it. Uh, he's uh, yeah, pulled up short with a hard ledge. But, you know, Reg, you know we love you and you'll be welcome back. Um, truth is, he's got a lot on in uh, home life at the moment, especially with his job. Uh, so joining me tonight, we've got back for his first run out uh, this year. Actually, I've got two first runs out for this year, but um, the first one's a little bit more regular. Hugh Cavill, welcome from jaunting around Southeast Asia. Welcome back. Thank you very much, Matt. And um, it, it, yeah, great to have a holiday. And I tell you what, Super Rugby, they're, they're talking about it on the streets of Saigon. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I thought it was the Indo-Pacific Rugby they would have been talking oh, about. Oh, well, look, they have the Twiggy Balls there too. But I mean, I couldn't speak the language, but you'd be walking behind someone and you'd hear you know, a stream of diatribe and then you hear Hannigan. Or you'd hear <laughs> Naivalu. Uh, and obviously, you know, a lot of talk about uh, about uh, Brad Thorne too. So, you know, they're, they're mad for Super Rugby there uh, in, in in Southeast Asia. So you can see why Twiggy Forrest is is, uh, is getting around. So uh, getting around and, and being lauded as he does because um, it is a real hotbed over there. Oh, it is indeed. Well, you know, if only they were talking about it on the streets of Sydney the same way. Um, <laughs> That's right. But uh, also joining us for our first time this year, it's not even near NRC season, so I don't know why we've got him on. Um, Brett Mackay, mate, welcome back. It's it's like it's like you just brought me on to kill off my only one joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are a regular. You can't whinge anymore. This so, is true. This is true. But but great yeah. great to be back. And and of course, since Hugh and I are in trial mode, you really can't read a lot into our first podcast of the year. No, exactly. Yeah, we're going to have to give you. Uh, Plenty of dispensations. Uh, so tonight, we've got five burning questions which we're going to crack through. Number one, what was the best and worst performance from round three? Number two, three rounds in, are there any Aussie contenders that could win Super Rugby? So that's going to be a very quick question. Number three, will the new Western Force squad be competitive in 2018? Um, this might be a, a, a slight, I might slightly rephrase that one and around just what is going to be going on with this whole Western Force squad in 2018. Um, some interesting news today to bring everyone up to date with. Number four, Raylene's Rugby Australia. Has it been a step in the right direction or is it just more of the same? And then number five, what are our predictions for round four? Uh, so, look, let's get straight into it. The best and worst performance from round three. Let's go best um, to start off with. Hugh, you're back, you're fresh. You're all across Super Rugby. Surely you've got your dander up. What excited you from the Aussie teams? Uh, excited is a tough one, isn't it? Because, <laughs> you know, in a week where we had three, only another three win uh, week across the, um, oh no, sorry, two wins and a draw. I'll, I'll stand corrected. Look, you've got to give it to the Reds, don't you? I mean, it was a pretty ugly sort of game. Um, and they, you know, wasn't something that you're going to really uh, tell your grandkids about. But to do what they did after week one, where it all seemed lost, and, and it seemed like, you know, that, that Queensland were in for another dire year, um, 
to turn up against the Brumbies like that, I think you feel like that's really what Brad Thorne's been trying to instill. It's it's not necessarily pretty rugby, and it's not necessarily um, you know something that's going to take them to the title this year. But it, certainly, you couldn't deny that there was spirit in that performance, and to do what they did after after the first week would would give you enormous pride as a Queensland fan, I think, because it was all just strength of strength of heart and strength of character. So that was probably the best performance in the week, although there wasn't. There wasn't a huge amount to compare that with. Okay, so. okay, okay. So basically, Reg, I know, yeah, this has been this has been a good hoax, mate. Uh, you, you're doing a great <laughs> version of Hughes' voice. Uh, I don't know how you're doing it. I don't know what sort of voice modulator you're using. Uh, but you know, what have you done with Hugh Cavill? And, well, you know, um, it's me because I, I haven't. You know it's me, not Reg, because I haven't used any nicknames for members of the coaching staff. You know, yeah. it's not uh, yeah Nugget Stevenson as the defence coach, or you know uh, <laughs> Ramble Joe Joe Patterson, and yeah, like that that uh, that matey sort of uh, relationship <laughs> with the back office or the front office staff is just not there. Well, all I need to trip you up is just to get you to run through any sort of team sheet and uh, you know. <laughs> yes. So, so <laughs> pronounce Joe Joe Tamani. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for example, but um, look, I, 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 but I can't let that go through. I've got. I thought the Reds, and especially the whole the whole Reds Brumby game, for a start, and the Brumbies is probably even even worse. But I guess we'll come to that in the, the second part. But I just can't let you stand that that was a. I thought it was a shocker. I thought it was terrible. I thought there was some really terrible rugby on display. I'll grant you that basically the Red scrum was the only thing that showed up in that whole game. Uh, and it netted them, you know, what, what the best part of six penalties. Uh, I really struggle. I, I don't know. I didn't see it. I saw a few, and I saw Reg, for example, tweeting that, you know, they stood up and whatever. I could get it that if you're a Queensland fan, you're just happy you got to win, um, so that you not that you know it, it doesn't just go down into into a death spiral in game two. But I just, oh, I struggled with that. I thought there was very, very little to commend any anything in that before. In both teams' performance, um, outside of about, the red scrum, it was more about context, though. You know, I think you had to put it in context of what the season's been so far from the Reds, not just from what happened last week, being dusted by forty in 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 Melbourne, but you know, the weeks preceding, where you know the the saga around Carmichael Hunt, the saga around Quade Cooper, um, you know, issues with with squad and injury and 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 other things going on. It's it, um. You know, I agree with you in one sense that, that the rugby itself was 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 pretty dire in parts. But you know, it, it's um it it was I think pretty laudable to do what they did after after the week they've had. But but I'll throw it back to you then, Matt. What was your best performance of the week then? If it's not that Reds performance, uh, I would have said probably the best one that I saw was probably the Rebels. Um, and they, and I thought there were a couple of interesting pieces or a couple of interesting performances that weren't dire. Um, but the one that probably clinched it for me was the Rebels. I thought, actually watching that Rebels team, I thought, hang on a minute. There's, you know, I could see a few things, you know, coming together there. And probably if they could get, you know, if if there was, say, an International 10 roaming around who had some quality distribution skills um, to slot in there, uh, you, you never know where they might go. I Yeah, I, I actually thought that... Uh, the Rebels really picked up. We know the Sunwolves are no easy beats, and again, they gave them a, a good stretch. But uh, the Rebels really seemed to have that, that game under control, and I kind of thought, hmm, that's a considering, you know, second match ever for that whole squad together. Um, you could see real, real uh, improvement, actually, um, and some real control in the game, 
even with, you know, a few positions still notably not performing. Uh, so, yeah, I definitely would have gone there. Um, and then I would have had to have said, oh, I'm probably going to take away. Look, I'm going to stop there then. But um, <laughs> before I go into some, sort of some, some tar glory. But um, and say, Brett, you break the deadlock for us, mate. Which one of us mm. is dreaming? Oh, well, no, clearly the Reds was the best performance of the weekend. If I if I've got to put, I mean, the character they showed and, and uh, all that other sorts yeah. of stuff that Reds that Reg would normally say that he sent to me during the week to make sure I said it this week. <laughs> uh, no, 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 you've got it. You've got it right with the Rebels, Matt. I, I just thought the the way um, the, the, there's just little things here and there that they're showing that mm-hmm. they're showing little little touches and I. I really like the developing combination between Genia and Jack Maddox, and I know that Jack Debrasini is still there playing 10 nominally, but Jack Maddox is popping up on the field and he's getting these little second phase touch, you know, almost like roaming Kirtley Beal fullback type role. And there's just a nice, they seem to have a really good understanding of where each other is on the field. And when Maddox scored that first try and he and Genia, you know, bowed Japanese style at each other, you know, they've, they've obviously been spending a fair bit of time together. And I think that's, that's really good to see from a number of fronts. Um, and, you know, that's not to say at all that the, that the Rebels were perfect um, on, on, on Saturday afternoon, but there's some really, really good signs coming through this squad already. And I think that's fantastic. Hmm. I'll tell you what, though, um, I will give you the, the Reds' new young number seven. Is it right? Yeah, um, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's quality. He had, a, he, he had a really good game for a, for a kid. Um, you know, really made a nuisance of himself. Actually, I thought. Um, yeah. And, 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 and was all and, around and the you place. Don't, and you don't have to have been a Queensland diehard to have to have seen him coming through. He he had a really strong under-20 series last year when, when the, the young Queensland side comes through through that undefeated. He, he was really strong during the NRC for, um, for Queensland country last year on the, on the side of a, a pretty physical but pretty young pack. Um, and then, of course, he got plucked out of nowhere um, to, to go on that spring tour. So uh, he's, he's certainly been a little way coming. And, and like, like all the good ones, if you like, he just looks comfortable at this level, which is I think that's always an encouraging sign when someone – takes the next step up and they look comfortable, they look at home, then that's that's really encouraging. Yeah, no, indeed. And But so, Hugh, but, um, and how do you get to the Reds even over the top of the Waratahs getting, you know, two, you know, two points away from home against the Sharks? Oh, look, as I said, it's more about context. I think the Waratahs, you know, watching that game, they, they played okay. Um, and, and to do, you know, did, I think they did, did that, well. Did they? Look, okay, that's why I said okay. You know, they they got away with, and ultimately they got away with two points. And and I think that, um, you know, to, especially to do that when they were down with five minutes to go, and and seemingly, you know, the sharks with all the momentum to fight back and and salvage those two points was was laudable. And actually, you know, in, in the context of the season, could be really really important because those away wins are going to um. You know, those away points and those points against non-conference sides are just going to count almost double, yeah. I think, in the grand yeah, scheme. Agree. Because, um, you know, that, that's something that, that shows an impressive, um, an impressive, uh, amount of ticker with a few key, you know, losing Kurtley Beal for that second half and they're still without Sokopi Kepu and a few others. So Rob Simmons, obviously, as well. So, the, you know, they, they, they eked it out pretty well. I mean, I think 
you, you can't really – I don't think you can really split too much to what the Reds did against what the Tars did and what the Rebels did. There are three pretty good performances. I mean, you could knock the Rebels because you know, the Sun Wolves lost about 17 players with injury during that game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they're, they're the Sun Wolves, and still I'm not ready to believe that they are actually a quality side yet, even though they might prove me wrong. Um, and, you know, likewise, you can, you can knock the Tars because ultimately um, – You'd sense the Sharks were unlucky, and they did a pretty good job to try and throw it away in the last minute. Where they, someone it was never really shown to me, but who someone tried a quick tap, a quick twenty-two, and then they, you know, had a, a Sharks had a scrum on the twenty-two, and yeah, probably really should have won that game. But you know, nonetheless, the Waratahs, you know, escaped pretty well as did the Rebels. So, you know, a, a pretty decent week in Australian rugby, all things considered. I've got to say. Mm. I mean, I, I did think uh, from the Tars' perspective, there's a few pleasing things. A is like just how many kids are in this team anyway, and so the mm. fact that the fact that they're kind of pulling together wins at last minutes um, to get themselves points. I mean, they could very easily be zero points right now, right? Um, yeah, with the nature this, this time last year, Matt, I reckon they they almost certainly would be at zero points. Exactly, mm-hmm. and so yeah, yeah, so to be at so to be at six right now is just well, and and that will no doubt feed a hell of a lot of confidence. Um, but there's a bunch of young little players that are. I mean, considering you're in, you've got your theoretically second string halfback Jake Gordon, who I think's having a cracker and is really growing into that role. Um, I thought short. I think you came on. Mm-hmm. Um, late in the second half for him, um, actually, I mean, uh, made an error, I'll say, but was creating things and, and scored that final try. Um, he actually he showed a lot of spark. Uh, Johnson Jones again came on the the, the Ranger prop, um, and he, he looks he looks promising. He, he looks looks yeah. like he's a decent scrummager, doesn't he? Yeah, the, and like not a big guy. Obviously, he's only twenty one or something, so he's got a way to go. But yeah, seems to have a fair bit. Of, you know, you know, pops up in places. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, uh, so moving on, moving on from that. So, if if they're the best performance, uh, who had the shockers? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll go to you on that one, Brett. Who 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 had the most? Who, who had the biggest shocker of the of the round from the Aussie perspective? Well, well, just just before we move off the Waratahs completely, yeah, yeah, <laughs> let's. I, I I just I just think the way. The way their attack went to water in the second half after Beal went off is is really concerning, and that was the 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 big, the big criticism of of Bernard Foley's play last year. And and I actually thought he had a reasonable Super Rugby season, but then fell off as the international season went on. Went on during Super Rugby, there just wasn't enough being created. There just wasn't enough. You know, midfield creativity for, you know, for, for, uh, for Lau to run off, for Andrew Kellaway to run off, for, for, you know, for Jake Gordon even to pop up and, um, you know, follow through on a, on, on a maybe ball out, out, out the back. And as soon as Beal went off there on Sunday morning, wasn't it for our, our time? Um, the, the Waratahs went back to that. And I think that's really concerning. Obviously then that, you know, the fact that they were able to salvage a draw out of it, um, and, on the back of a, a Bernard Foley conversion from, you know, not just his wrong side, but his absolutely terrible side. He just doesn't land wide conversions or penalties from the the tram lines on the on the right hand side of the field. It just it just it's just his non kicking side. He avoids it. To kick that conversion to win the game was, um, mm. you know, was 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 quite quite incredible. In fact, so mm. I, I think there's I think there is still concerns there about the Waratahs. So I'll park that there. 
obviously the, the the Brumbies were well off the pace from from a forwards point of view, and and um, that I think has caught everyone by surprise. And and the Reds have even come out and said that they they wanted to target the for, the Brumbies forwards because they wanted to you know see where they match up. I reckon even the Reds were were taken a bit by surprise at how quickly and even how easily to, to a degree they were able to establish that ascendancy and, and then go on with it. And, you know, the Brummies have always been pretty mobile on the back row, but they just didn't – they just seemed off the pace a little bit, I thought. And, and you know, that's probably a combination thing. You know, McCaffrey and Cusack and Nicerani still haven't really played a lot together. They've, you know, they've been in and about and they would have played against each other a little bit, but they've, they've not really played together at all. So the combinations are still building there. I thought the Brumbies played all the rugby in the second half, but it was all down their half. Like I think the I think I worked out for my column there today that they played the game. Two thirds of the game was played in the Brumbies' half. So, you know, their kicking game's a bit off. They're not able to get out of their own half to be able to play the rugby they wanted to play up the other end of the field. And so, you know, that's the sort of thing they've got to try and sort out and turn around because the Rebels could make them pay in the ways that the Reds could only dream of. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I thought the, the Brumbies looked completely toothless. And uh, I'm assuming that that's your dud performance of the round, is it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Like there was there was little signs there, but yeah, they were just they were just off the pace, and and I suppose we find out this week whether it's um, whether that was a blip or whether there's bigger issues. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, they in the second half they had plenty of uh, possession, and they even had mm. a, the the majority of of the territory in the second half, and just couldn't make it happen. Um, you know, ran uh, loads more metres than the Reds, you know, yeah. put a lot of effort in, but, yeah, just seemed to be going nowhere with it. There didn't seem to be anyone who was a game-breaker or anyone who was yeah. going to open anything up. Um, they, 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 can, just... they conceded significantly more turnovers. They, I think, conceded nearly three times as many penalties as well, which is why the Reds kicked six of them. Um, so, you know, that's it's, it's no wonder they went. The Reds were able to keep the scoreboard pressure up and... and the more desperate the Brumbies came to, to try and break out of it with this, you know, second phase play they wanted to get, the the more their execution let them down. Yeah. So can you remind me, what's the the, the new coach's name there again? Dan McKellar, the head coach. Dan McKellar, yeah. The, that's uh, right. forwards coach last year. That's right. Um, yeah, no, he worried me a little bit when I saw a, a package on a TV show just sort of basically saying, oh, that their aim for this year was to kind of play heads-up rugby and what was in front of them. Um, mm. And I it <laughs> took me right back to Robbie Dean's days. And I kind of, yeah. oh, that means you don't know what, you know, no one knows what they're doing. Um, in, 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 fa- in fairness to Dan, you can see that, that the Rebels are trying to do that as well. You can, you can even see, you know, at times the Reds are trying, everyone's trying to play with pace this year. And there was, from, from round one, the first thing I noticed in, the, in that very first Stormers game was that every time they got into the outside tram tracks, they were accelerating. There was blokes, you know, really sprinting onto the ball. So you could see that they're, everything they're doing, you know, in that middle 40 metres is about setting up you know, the potential line breaks and the and the offloads and everything in the in the tram tracks out wide. And so everyone's wanting to find that pace in their game, but obviously it just feels at the moment like the Australian teams are a little bit off that still. Mm-hmm. Um, what about you, Hugh? What was who was your dad? Oh, obviously the Brumbies, but I won't I won't really gloss over you guys covered it off pretty well. Um the one I'll I'll throw to um Yako Piper. <laughs> I just don't like him as a referee, and and the, you know it's probably it's probably too early in the year for us to start going on referees. Um, but you know I needed a day considering. <laughs> is, is it? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yes, but um, it it's um, unfortunately, and I've got to say the Tars probably got the got the good end of it because there was a the last couple of plays of the game. If you go back and look at it, the the Sharks had a scrum on our twenty two and and completely, you know, uh, pushed us pushed us back and 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 if the ball hadn't spilled it out, they would have won a penalty. That was the Sharks' problem. But then I can't remember who it was came through and just cleared out the halfback and and the Waratahs kicked the ball away out of the the next ruck and and it, that's a penalty ten times out of ten. But Yako mm-hmm. put the whistle in the pocket and let it play on. So look, he's he he do, he's just a very frustrating referee to watch, I think, because he just never allows the game to get any any sort of rhythm and it's just so erratic with with the with the way he blows the whistle. So it's, it's, it's funny it's funny though, isn't it? You can you can see what he's doing. He gets to the the last ten minutes of a tight game and you can you can see a look on his face he's thinking i will not decide this game i will not decide this game and the more yeah. he tries to get the get the uh the, the whistle in the pocket the, the worse it gets yeah, and, yeah, exactly. it just it just really ends well i, I think he's actually a, a really good referee but yeah you don't want him in a tight situation because he's just liable to oh, i don't want to do this oh i've got to do it damn it and yeah, yeah there you go whereas craig hey, bear Craig Shabir, on the other hand, he you know used to doesn't do it anymore really, but um, just used to love that big moment too much actually, and used to yeah. love making Wayne Barnes love, love making love making that right call in the right moment. Yeah, that's, oh, that's yeah. Fair, fair until he got, until he got to World Cup finals and then, <laughs> then he decided to disappear. <laughs> um, well, what about in that game with Yako uh, though? And I shared it on Twitter. Was this oh, this bizarre situation we're now in knock-ons, like you know um, you know to intercept knock-ons. Um, and, you know, you, some get ruled penalty tries, some get penalties, others, like Yako's on the um, on the weekend, is just nothing. And it's like it was both, a, I think, the second row running out of the line, literally just sticking one mitt out. The ball went straight to ground. He had absolutely no chance of catching it. And Yako was play on. And you could hear all the play, what Rotar's playing. Are you kidding? And he was like, well, I'm yeah. not going to – he said, I'm not going to second-guess myself. <laughs> It's <laughs> <laughs> like uh, we're, we're kind of, we're who else are you second guessing, Yako? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're suggesting maybe you should. Um, yeah. I mean, anyway, I, I don't know. Um, the referees seem to have got themselves on a bit of a pickle on this one. You've got different people with completely different interpretations. There's there's nothing. There's no consistency through this one. It seems to be completely. Um, you know, completely subjective as far as whether someone was going for something or not. I thought we got to something which was, unless you got kind of two hands on the ball or something, it was, it was, um, it was going to be a penalty at least. But I don't know. That one doesn't seem to flow. But that was, uh, that was in Yako. Am, am I imagining it, or is this things? Is this are these intercepts a, a dog's breakfast, Brett? Yeah, it, the, the the inconsistency is certainly there. It, it it feels to me like it's got to be all or nothing. And I would argue that nine times out of ten, if a defender gets his hand on the ball, he's not trying to do anything but disrupt the play. And in mm. which case, then it just blow the penalty. You know, just mm. make make it make it black and white. Yeah, you know, unless you catch the ball, yeah. that's all you're trying to do. Therefore, it's a penalty. So. I'd just I'd make it simple. I really would, and that and that would probably fix the problem to a degree as well, because defenders would then have to be really, really on top of the ball. They'd have to be really certain that they're going to be able to take the catch cleanly. They couldn't just, you know, stick a hand out and oh no, I wasn't deliberately trying to infringe. But you know, I, I think that would just clarify. I think if they actually went harder, it would actually improve the situation. You're taking tent out of the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
Righto. Well, I think we've probably crammed plenty in uh, question one. Uh, probably one thing I'll just open up to you guys is, um, you know, uh, you kind of snuck in there, Hugh, about a referee performance. Any other player performances you guys kind of wanted to highlight, Hugh? Any players that stuck out for you? Um, I, I, Jack Maddox has been mentioned. I think I, I thought yeah. he played. Actually, I thought the Rebels backline in general you can really highlight as as a unit that functioned really well. And I know you had a, a little crack at Jack Debrasini, Matt, but actually I think, look, I've been a fan of his for a long time and I, and I feel like he has a lot of potential um, and has never really realised it. And I have a feeling that playing inside Will Genier and, and outside, mm. uh, sorry, outside Will Genier, inside Reese Hodge and Jack Maddox there as well, this is probably the best chance he has of really making it happen. And, and he sort of fits in that back line because he's not the great greatest distributor, but that boot of his really just helps yeah. keep that the Rebels rolling forward. And Genier can take a bit of the playmaking load away from him and so can Reese Hodge and Maddox. So he sort of, I think this might be his best chance. And frankly, I could probably look good outside Will Genier. But, um, <laughs> you know, you feel like this might might be the time where he can he can come on a bit. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how he does. Um, I, tell, I tell you what, there, there, um, Hugh, the friend of the podcast, Dave Vessels, has got a um, interesting decision coming up the next, maybe even this week, because if if Marika Korobiti comes back and is ready to go on the wing, where Jack Maddox has been playing, who gets squeezed out? Because you'd reckon Korobiti has to come straight back in, so Maddox doesn't deserve to lose his spot. Does is Deborah Sini the odd man out? <laughs> Jeez, it is a tough one. I mean, or do you have yeah. Maddox coming on as something of an impact impact sub? Yeah, I mean, and, 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 may, and maybe uh, for a maybe for a twenty year old, that's probably not a bad idea. But it's it's a I'm glad I'm not pickle. It's yeah, a good absolutely. decision, and that's why. And obviously, hello to Dave Vessels, um, and who's obviously keenly listening, and and we'd obviously. love to. See, see where you're going because, I mean, this is a, a, a you're in uncharted waters as a, as a rebels coach having <laughs> having wallabies to come in and and really not no obvious positions to put them into. So because normally you'd you'd have Corabidi in there in a heartbeat and probably have two or three people you could probably sit down. Mm. But um, it's nice to have that problem. Oh, luxury of riches there uh, for the friend of the pod. Um, all right, let's get into. Oh, and sorry, Brett, did you have any other? Uh, player performances that left no, out. you've. Pro- oh, look, look, I'll give, I'll, I'll give Kyle Goldwood a little, a little rap. He's, he, I think it's, it has in the past, certainly in the last few years, been a little bit easier to criticise him. But I, I think he's just starting to find his his spot. He, again, there's a nice little combination there in midfield with with Liliofano. They, they passed a similar amount of times during, against the Reds the other night, which sort of says to me that they're not just attacking off off 10 they're they're actually changing their angle of attack a bit and and I think that's sort of falling into line with what the Brumbies are wanting to do so I think I think Godwin's starting to fit into that well mm. yeah no, he's uh, doing some hard graft I guess the, the one thing I'd throw in I mentioned them before I think um, there's a few halfbacks around these days um, I think we've kind of gone from there was clearly only two and I think by the end of this super season hopefully we've got a few more that have you know ready to Maybe have a little bit more time mm-hmm. in gold. Um, obviously, Jake Gordon looked good. Um, even short in his, uh, you know, mm. you know, quick debut looked good. I thought Powell he made some cracking little runs. Um, yeah, and is starting to look very accomplished. You know, around the try line and the, no, the, no, jo- no the Joe Powell, the Joe Powell Matt Lucas thing is really intriguing to me this year. I, I, mm. I, I think I think they'll both emerge out of it better. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I thought there was yeah, there's a, there's a handful in there. I've got to say though, and it, this kind of leads us into probably 
point number two, that the fact that, you know, I can watch pretty much a weekend of, uh, of Aussie super rugby, the same last weekend and then this week, and I can walk away going, God, who did I think actually played well? And I struggle. It feels like <laughs> one big average, I don't know, pancake of performance. And I just struggle like everyone. It just feels like everyone's just, it's all just a bit average. It's hard to walk away and go, oh, wow, there was, you know, somebody strung more than one amazing play together and had a blinder. Um, I mean, maybe, you know, Genia had a good game last week. I don't know. You know, but there's like, you know, you struggle to find somebody. Um, it, it feels like a bit of an Australian malaise. So I'll, I'll, I'll roll that into question two then. Three rounds in. Are there any Aussie contenders that could win Super Rugby, Hugh? Uh, this is a tough question um, because it is hard to tell three rounds in and really only two rounds in um, in, the, in the Australian conference. Um, look, I'm going to say yes um, because I, I just think that it's probably the Waratahs and if they can get rolling. And and that's a yeah. You know, it sounds like a a, a really parochial thing get, to say. If they can get Roly, if they can get me to play, is that what you're trying to say? Or... <laughs> I could agree with that. Well, <laughs> you can have to say you get rolling. Certainly, I start that... dropping more nicknames. Well, and I assume that's why you've been spending so much time in the Champions Lounge. That's my that was my only assumption that they were chasing your signature. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, look if if. If things start to click for them, they've got enough class in that side that it's a one in a hundred chance that they can win the comp this year. Because really, on on the face of it, it just doesn't seem like they've got the firepower to deal with, you know, um, especially what the New Zealand teams, but probably as well what the what the Lions certainly and the Bulls maybe as well can can throw at them. Um, and they might not even win the Australian Conference, but with the amount of class they've got from Foley, Falau, Beal, um, Hooper. Um, and right through the pack to, to guys like Sukopi Kepu. It, it, you know, they're the only team that I think have got a chance to actually do it, where I think, you know, the Brumbies look to be, you know, have, have stalled. The Rebels uh, certainly could win the conference, but I don't think have got the, you know, experience yet to go and win the competition. The Waratahs could. It's a one percenter, but I'm not willing to rule it out yet. So I'm going to say, yes, there is a contender, and, and um, but, it's, but I've got to say it's highly unlikely. Right, Brett. Yeah, I probably tend to agree. I would argue that there, if there is going to be an Australian side, it's probably the Rebels right now. I just think they're playing a more a more clinical brand, and I think uh, I think Will Genia has looked, you know, maybe maybe he's the best he's looked in Super Rugby for the last you know four or five years, and I say that completely acknowledging that he was away for one or two of them. Um, I, I just think they've got a bit more about them. And, and you think about when, you know, where if, um, you know, once guys like, um, you know, Jeff Parling come back into the mix and they start, you know, I think there's still a bit of combination to come through, back through with their with their um, their back row. You know, Colby Fanger sort of coming off the bench. I reckon he'll start before too long. You know, is it Cottrell? Is it Ross Hallett Petty? Is it, um, you know, where does Tamani fit in? I just think there's a few floating pieces in that forward pack still to fall into play. I'll try and add a little bit of context around it. If you look at the combined table right now, and I know it's only after three rounds and two games for most teams, there's three Australian teams in the top eight 
and there's only two South African teams. And to me, that actually feels about right. And I even say that knowing that there's only about oh, 16 or 17 differential points between the Brumbies in eighth and the Reds in whatever they're in, 12th. Yeah, and there's only, you know, a couple of tries between them as well. So, like, there's, there's one try between the Brumbies, the Bulls, and the Chiefs. But it just that just feels about right to me. I, I just think there's a little bit more, oh, I'll throw a controversial word out, strength to the Australian conference than there is about the, um, the South African one at the moment. So, I'd... You know, two games in, it's not panic stations. Yes, there needs to be tweaks to a few teams, but it sort of feels about right to me. So if we can just ignore the New Zealand conference, yeah, we've got a chance. Yeah. <laughs> look, I'll, look, I'll, say, I'll say the same thing about about um, about Super Rugby that I used to say about, um, about Shane Warne and leg spinners in Australia. Being compared to, to New Zealand teams in Super Rugby is both the best and the worst thing about, about Super Rugby because, you know, it doesn't end well, but it's the obvious benchmark. It's, it's, where, it's where they need to be getting. But I just wouldn't be trying to compare anyone to a New Zealand team at the moment because they're obviously just in a different, different field at the moment. Mm. Yeah, well, look, um, um, I like you both trying to bring some uh, positivity to the whole thing. And, and I get the point, Hugh, you're trying to say there's – you know, it's like that dumb and dumber thing, right? There's, there's it's one in a million. <laughs> so there's, there's a, a chance. chance. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I do get that, but I'm willing to say there is no chance. So I just can't see any of those teams, um, you know, having got through. Look, we'll have a better understanding, obviously, once we've actually seen us come up against some of those Kiwi teams. But I guess I go back to the point I was making at the end of last question is that, you know, it's kind of two weekends now. I'm kind of going, oh, I'm not seeing a whole a whole lot of stuff and I, and I struggle actually to see a Wallabies team out of that whole lot um, that you could really, that are kind of jumping out. There's some big, big problems around second rows and, and, and you know, and, and the packs, um, you know, who's jumping out, you know, I don't know. You, you, to me, you barely eke out a 15 um, out of the sort of the performances that are going on. I will say this though, you know, if, you know, in terms of where they are in the, the, their own, in our own conference, the rebels, you know, Two, two games and ten points. Yeah. Um, you know, a couple of bonus points already. That's I use that's against the two super. shittest teams in the competition. Yeah, but, okay, they've racked them up, though. I mean, oh, that's... Uh... Yeah, I, I know. And, look, I'm not I'm not one to rank on the Rebels too much. You've got to... Look, you've got to beat them. And, and this year, five points, you just don't... Now that they've cut that those three teams out, you just don't have those easy games anymore. There are no... Really, I mean, the Sunwolves are looking a lot better than they have previously. Um, and the Reds have shown that they've got a lot more ticker than, than what they showed in week one. So, you know, to take 10 points against those two is no mean feat, and, and it's going to hold them in good stead. I, I think you're a bit hard on, on the... Sorry, just, yeah, I just, sorry. Want, just want to pick up on, on one point, though. The Sunwolves improving this year has, hasn't got anything to do with three teams being cut. They've they've just improved off the back yeah, off the back no, end. And, and by the same token, you know, three teams being cut has made... No difference to the to the Haguares at all. In fact, they've probably got worse. So, you know, I, I I get the argument that things are a little bit tighter, but I'm I'm not sure that going from 18 to 15 has actually made much difference at all. Mm. Hoping that we'd see a lot more, I don't know, enrichment of player stock um, across the you know the four Aussie teams, and 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 we and we probably have seen that to a to a degree. Um, mm. You know, like we've we've we talk about. 
yeah, some of the young problems, like we haven't mentioned Shan Beckler-Vui for the Waratahs, who's, you know, who's looking pretty promising as well. We, um, you know, I, I mentioned Kyle Goblin, admittedly he came over a year early, but it's, you know, Nicerani's been outstanding for the for the Brumbies already. So, you know, those those guys that were displaced from the force are are, are doing pretty well already. But, you know, is it is it really the promised riches? I'm, I'm, my... I'm, I'm still jury out on that one. It's week two, though. It's week two. Yeah, and, and, I that's, mean, and that's why I say that. Bernard Foley was trash against the Sharks, and you go, oh, is he, is he in trouble? Yeah. No, it's week two. He'll get yeah, better. Yeah, you know, it, 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 it happens, and especially these bigger players. I mean, Bert, Michael Hooper was was m- more behind the play than I've ever seen him in that in that game. He was absolutely blowing at every single break. Mm. And now, you know, you can you can make any judgment on that as you will but you it's just these guys don't get going until may you know the the guys that know that they're going to have to be playing firing on all cylinders in late november yeah. <laughs> that's you know that's nine fair. months away isn't no, it eight were, months i mean the tars were absolutely blowing after 30 minutes and um there was hilarious when uh piper went to try and talk to hooper about some set of infringements that been on the try line and hooper was like Sorry, I can't even talk to you at the moment because he was just trying not to chunder, I think, um, from having run back sort of 80 metres, um, so, which, was, which was pretty interesting. Um, he, must, he must have been caught in the same vortex as the, uh, the writer of the match report that suggested Durban was at altitude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, I think the Tars felt like they were. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, right, let's get into it then. So we touched on the Western Force just earlier. Look, I'm going to completely override this question and I'm going to rephrase it and just sort of say, with the announcement today that, um, uh, you know, was it, uh, with uh, Twiggy Forest has announced, I think it's, uh, how many games is it? Is it like eight, six, uh, six or eight games? Is it seven confirmed, it's one to be seven confirmed? confirmed. Yeah. Six confirmed. Okay. Six one. confirmed, one, to, one, 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 uh, one opponent yet to be announced. One TBA, yeah. okay. who I'm tipping to be the British and Irish Lions. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> you, <laughs> scout, scout that you might, I've got a sneaking suspicion it might be that Asia-Pacific Dragons invitational side. Oh, okay. Well, that, exactly. that, yeah. that, you know, Tana Munger and Victor Matfield have been involved with in the, in the last few years. I, I just remember something being said you know, earlier a few in the last few weeks that it, that that, um, that it might have been them, and, and that whether the game was in Perth or whether it was was actually in Singapore was still something that was being discussed. So you know, may, maybe that's who it is. I don't know. Okay, well, look, this is announcement uh, today in um, Australia's Australia's leading publisher um, about uh, Twiggy Forest launching World Series Rugby, which. Now, we're not quite sure what World Series Rugby is yet, but what we do know is that, um, as a prelude to it, I think is the, how it's being couched, is that there are, the force have got some 2018, uh, fixtures, and those fixtures are, I mean, they start in May, so 4th of May, it's gonna be the force versus Fiji, and then you've got the force versus Tonga, uh, force versus the Rebels and the Crusaders, um, both happen during the international window, um, when we're playing, when the Wallabies are playing Ireland. Then you've got the force versus Samoa in July, uh, versus Hong Kong in August, and then TBC, which, uh, yeah, could be one of the, that, that team that you were talking about there, Brett, um, in the 17th of August. So you, you've, you've got all those, um, different, te- all those, uh, 
all those sort of fixtures this year. My understanding is they're still waiting for some sort of approval from Rugby Australia um, as far as, you know, there being a, this kind of them becoming a competition next year, which they wanted to call World Series Rugby. Um, and I should say that those fixtures that I did read out, those sort of invitational games, um, actually then run into NRC, which the force will then play within. Is, is that right? Have I yes, got that right? Yeah, that's right. Yep. Um, and so I think that's about where it is. And I mean, they've kind of revealed the team. I think Matt Hodgson is um, a, a key part of it. I'm looking right now at the photo of him squad. Uh, it's a, you know, it's a real photo of Matt Hodgson. He's got a black eye. Um, but I think he's he, he's actually um, going to. Be, I think he's going to be the director of rugby there now. So he's obviously a very very core part um, of the whole thing. Um, so what do we think about this? So World Series rugby. Um, what the hell? And I guess my biggest my question here: World Series rugby, and at least what we know about it for now, the force. Uh, good thing or not? Uh, I'll go with you first. Um, Mr. Mackay. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, it, it, it is a good thing, and it's, and it's a good thing for a number of reasons. For a number of reasons, it's it's actually quite incredible that they've been able to put together um, a, a, a mini fixture of of six or seven confirmed games in a couple of months. That takes takes some doing if you think about the logistics and everything involved. And mm. I, I could even argue that, that they might have a couple of those games in the wrong order because I reckon. Playing Samoa during the Super Rugby Finals is going to be in, end up in it with an interesting Samoan team because I can't imagine that a lot of their Test players will be released by their Super Rugby sides, for example, um, uh, and, and and even likewise from from Europe. Had they have gone, had they have played Samoa early in the Rugby Championship window, for example, then that gets them into the internationals and maybe maybe there's a better chance of a better side, but that's, you know, neither here nor there, I suppose. Um, it's great that there's content for, for rugby fans in Perth. That's probably the, the biggest and um, most important thing coming out of, out of this whole thing. Where I get a little bit confused was that during the announcement today, um, it was the wording was something along the lines of this will then evolve into a vibrant, Asia-Pacific competition next year. And so which is, you know, supposedly the the IPRC. So, you know, is World Series rugby just just this year? Is there a change of focus for the IPRC next year? Is uh, Are these teams that we're seeing this year, with the obvious exception of the Rebels and, uh, and the Crusaders, are they now, you know, sort of confirmed for, for 2019? I, I, I just sort of... As much as it's great to see the announcement, and we were were overdue some sort of announcement on this front, I think I think it also answered just ask more questions about what's going on for next year because you know yes, there's been players signed up, and Tim Sampson's moving from from Canberra over to, to Perth to, to take up the reins as um, coach of the Force for the next two years, but we still don't know a lot of detail about next year, and, and theoretically we're a year out from this new competition, and there's still we still don't even know who the other five teams are yet, and I just, I just, I just wonder what's going on. Mm. Look, I, well, just as you've been talking about that, though, so I'm kind of sat here looking at this fixture list. Um, you know, Force versus Fiji, then Tonga, Rebels, Crusaders, Samoa, Hong Kong, and and someone else. You kind of think now, if you're saying that this is the lead into some this Indo-Pacific rugby thing, and if they want to call it World Series, just it becomes even more of a stretch. I mean, I think that is crazy stuff. 
um, the whole Indo-Pacific thing. So that that mm. thing is a thing that I just can't ever see getting off the ground. As I look at this right now for 2018, I look at this fixture list for the force. I'm like, that's pretty damn cool. You know, you've still got yeah. the force. You've still got the force alive. They're playing yeah. some good. They're playing some pretty decent fixtures there, um, uh, and some interesting ones at least. And the fact that it then ties into the NRC, well, that, and that's great. You know, we've got some sort of consistency. You've got a way of getting talent up against each other and um, and having it assimilated into Australian rugby. So I'm kind of like, well, actually, that's a pretty good check. But mm. then it got me thinking is that if I had a look at that and I thought, hmm, if you kind of brought a few key other Australian teams and just the Kiwi teams into this competition, say, next year, so, you know, those sorts of fixtures. So you basically had the Australian conference and the Kiwi conference and maybe threw in Fiji, Tonga and Samoa. Mm. That that would be a pretty bloody good comp, wouldn't you reckon? Well, even, even and, if you, and, and, even instead if you of left for rugby? Even if you left even if you left the Sunwolves and say Hong Kong in there, all yeah. of a sudden that's got the makings of a pretty solid backbone, isn't it? Yeah. I mean that that's the bit that pricked my interest and kind of thought, hmm. That's suddenly a lot more interesting than, you know, the, the, the kind of thing we've got at the moment. Um, and, and look, maybe it's a reverse takeover. You know, this is going to be Twiggy's reverse takeover of Super Rugby when it all falls apart in, in the next year or two. But anyway, um, Hugh, what if, do you reckon, if, mate? Oh, sorry, you get Brett, finish off. Oh, I was, no, I was, no, just, it's, my, it's my turn to speak. Thank you very much. You've had the last 15 minutes. My no, turn it's, now. It's a fair play, mate. I'll... Do you want 15 minutes, here? I'll just go and make a cup and come back if that's all right. <laughs> no, I won't. I won't. And look, I mean, there's a bit of a information gap here. And I, for one, Brett, think Australia's leading publisher needs to get off their ass and actually find out some things for us. But that's just um, – yeah. um, look, it, it's, it's interesting. Um, I, I kind of agree with you. I think they've actually done a pretty good job. And the irony of it is is, is in, in knocking out seven home games, they'll end up with almost as many as the super sides will. Um, you know, in terms of gate takings and that sort of thing, which is which is something that's um, a, a little interesting undertone. Um, I think they have assembled a pretty good squad, and, uh, and certainly you'd back them as really strong favourites for the NRC, given they're going to have a you know a five month lead in with trial games coming into the NRC. That that puts them right in the box seat. Um, the thing that, that gets me though is reading this article. Um, is the paragraph that just just puts me. Uh, makes me a little bit uneasy is that this new initiatives and changes in the rules will be trialed during the World Series rugby, including a try being worth ten points and a time frame for scrums and lineouts. Oh, I, don't, um, I didn't see. I didn't yeah. see that, Jim. Former Wallabies great Michael Liner uh, believed an innovative revamp would make the game quote faster and more exciting. And I hate that. Mm. I hate that too. And and then so so. All of a sudden, this becomes Mickey Mouse footy, you know. It becomes a, an oddity, something on the fringes of the game that is viewed with curiosity, not as actual serious rugby. And that, that's not what we want this competition to be. We want this to be, you know, hard, serious rugby with everyone playing for keeps. And, and I think if you turn it into some, you know, kick a goal outside 40 metres and it's worth five points or some, you know, essentially a, a, some Mickey Mouse rules, it diminishes what, what what the whole thing's set up to be, which is a, a genuine alternative to, to Super Rugby uh, for people in the West. So that's the only thing that, that that sort of rubs me up the wrong way, and there's still certainly time to change that. But um, it you look at the squad, though. I mean, bringing it back to the players they've known, there's some good players in that side. Yeah, there um, is. That's, I was going to say that. 
and you know it's great to see guys like Chris Alcock, um, Andrew Deegan, and and um, you know Kieran Longbottom, Ryan Lawrence, the all mm. brothers, um, Ian Pryor, Harry Scoble. These guys have got somewhere to play, and and they're not just just uh, mm. you know. Um, Hitting, hitting the club scene. And then you've got, you know, Rod Davies, who I didn't even know was still playing. Um, and, um, Jacques Fury, who has enormous name recognition, especially with the South African expat population there. So yeah. look, I think it's actually a pretty smart recruitment by them. And, and they've done most, most things right here. So I'll, I'll, I'll tip my hat to, to, to the team behind it because I think given what happened last year, um, this is, this is a pretty good effort to come out with something that looks like a, a competitive calendar of matches mm-hmm. that extends well in, you know, from May into, um, October, November next, uh, later this year. All, all of, yeah. all of a sudden, a, a list, like a list of games like that, if you were, if it was going to be one or two games, you'd sort of think, well, you know, yes, I'll go to the game, but is it really worth buying a membership? But, you know, six, seven, games that suddenly that actually looks like a you actually be getting getting a reasonable money's worth and 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 like you say Hugh there's some I like that there's continuity with you know guys like Marcel Braki uh, and Peter Grant and um uh Heath Tessman's expected to be there but as well but you know Ian Pryor Harry Scoble yeah Brynard Stander those guys that were have been with the force for a number of years there's going to be the continuity and then the bonus of having guys like Longbottom coming back and Olcott coming back. Chris Heiberg played for the Kings last year, I'm almost certain. Um, you know, that's that's great. That's that's good to see. So, you know, there's all of a sudden there's something to point to now, which is, you know, we're already further advanced than we were, you know, even just a few days ago. So um, it's it, it's 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 great on the surface. It I still keep coming back to, to questions about how the IPRC is going to work next year, um, and and you know, maybe there's maybe there's more info on that coming in the you know in the coming well weeks it needs to be because like I said before it's theoretically we're we're less than a year away so so something's got to be happening there because I think you know if we if we get up to the first game and that's slotted in for when May and we still don't know anything about the IPRC next year then I think we start asking questions as to whether it's actually going to happen or not. Well, I tell you what though, just so, on one hand, I'm going to say, um, you know, hats off to uh, Twiggy Forrest. Uh, I probably, I, as much as anybody else, was pretty cynical about his involvement with the Western Australian rugby and what it was going to lead to. But, um, you know, this is great for the force. They've still got, a, you know, and for Western Australian rugby, they've still got people playing rugby and playing some games that'll be a good test and moving into the NRC. It, it does make me think, wow, this, this isn't cheap, right? Yeah. Um, no, you know, no way ru- in the world. Running a super rugby team with no funding... <laughs> Mm. And and I'm wondering who's paying. I mean, there's no TV funding for this sort of stuff. So well, and this is what I was actually going to say before that. Guys around. If if all if all of a sudden there is a little bit of TV interest in this, then then as as you say, then things do start getting interesting because if you know if if the if there's games being played in reasonable time zones, um, there'll be interest because just there'll be. I think the crowds will actually be really solid because you know there's there's plenty of reason for Perth rugby fans to, to go to the rugby again. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's, there's, 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 there's only, there's only upside to it, certainly. But if, yeah, if there's suddenly, if there's a bit of TV interest for it, um, who knows where, where this goes. Well, and if there isn't, then it's, um, yeah, it's going to be, uh, well, even, e- yeah, equally, it's yeah. going to be costing a pretty, pretty penny. And then, um, I guess I assume, well, and then going to the NRC. Anyway, so that, that is good to see. I think we all agree. So let's move into number four. 
Question number four, Raylene's Rugby Australia. Has it been a step in the right direction or is it just more of the same? Hugh. Oh, look, it's too early to tell is the answer to that question. Um, I'd say the early signs are good, though. I just I, I like the way that she carries herself. She seems to be someone who doesn't take any shit, um, to put it bluntly, um, and someone who will will um, you know is less of the diplomat than what Bill Pulver was. I think it's fair to say, um, which you know obviously has its pros and cons. But certainly the way that she's um, stood up to Michael Tecker, the way that she's um, come out and you know engaged well with with people in Western Australia and, and talked to the Brett Papworths of the world and seems to have a, a feel for the problems that the game's facing and, and her role within it. Um, mm. You know, it's, it's the challenge of, of a, um, of a new sporting CEO, especially is to come in and, and, and sort of pick up the feel for the game as quickly as possible. And for some people it's, it's natural and others, you know, it's completely unnatural, especially, you know, when, when, you know, the NRL struggle with it and, and especially where, you're bringing people in from the outside who might who actually haven't been working in the within the code, and, and Raylene Castle is certainly one of those. So she seems to get rugby. She seems to know, you know, have have a fairly good grasp of the issues, and and you know, but at the same time hasn't hasn't um hasn't come out and really done much or changed much as of yet. And I think mm-hmm. I'm going to say her first challenge is probably going to be the Carmichael Hunt issue. Um, it's how the RU responds to that, and and not only the actual substance of of their response, but the style of it as well, how, how Raylene, um, chooses to inject herself into that issue, which, you know, I think you can, you can make pretty solid arguments either way as to what they should do with Carmichael Hunt. So I think that'll be, that'll be her first real test and it'll be interesting to see how she goes. And Brett? Yeah, yeah, I think, um, I think Hugh's sort of on, on the money there. She, it feels like more of the same because she really, hasn't had a chance to actually do anything yet and she hasn't had a chance to do anything yet because she has gone out of a way literally to hear from all the stakeholders and and you think about what's actually happened in her first two months of of being with, with the feet under the desk we've had a cut all of a sudden we've, we've got two pretty well-performing sevens teams on the on the world circuit who both won in sydney and, and everything that went, went that went with that um you know the the, the brisbane tens was was different this year, but you know didn't have anywhere near the the criticism of, of last year. She went, she was over in Perth meeting with them, meeting with Rugby WA and Andrew Forrest within three weeks of starting a job, I think. And and it just sort of feels like she's done as much listening as she possibly could in that in those first in that first two months. Basically, I know she's had a couple of couple of hookups and a couple of face to face meetings with um with the CEOs, and again that was all within the first month. So. It feels like she's doing the right things. How she starts putting her stamp on things over the next little bit, that'll be with interest. And, and um, yeah, that's, I think that's where the intriguing part is. She sort of strikes me as the sort of person who just likes to get things done and, and her mark on something isn't necessarily important. Like, you know, rugby Australia might go in a different direction, but is it Raylene Castle putting a mark on things or is it just things Going, moving in a different direction because they had to. So, you know, I, I don't know that we'll have measurables. Like, I don't think we're going to have Raylene Castle legacy items being set up in the next six months. Um, I, I, but I think, you know, I, I think it's a, a reasonable start to what's a pretty difficult job after a pretty difficult year. Yeah, I mean, look, she's got 
one hell of a work to cut out you know, in, in front yeah. of there. Um, and yes, it's probably too early. But I mean, I, I, we, we kind of threw this question in because hell, it's one hell of a change that's happened uh, sort of in the off-season. We, we haven't even started touching on it yet. Um, I've got to say, look, my, my understanding is that um, the whole Michael Checker and vers- you know and management relationship um, really came to a, I guess, uh, like a, a, a hot, well, so I was going to say high point, fever pitch or low point um, in the during the the end of season tour. Um, so you know, I, I don't know if you guys have seen you know pictures of you know in that. It's, game at Twickenham when we got the second yellow card. I think it was Beal got sent off with something like 10 minutes to go. Uh, and if you remember, we had, you know, like just everything went against us. Um, but it was probably more the balance of the ball than anything else. Um, and anyway, Checker blew up, right, when when, when Beal got that, that yellow card. Um, and apparently he stood up and he turns around. And if you look on Getty Images, you'll find photos of this of Checker and he was he was pointing towards like Cameron Klein and Bill Pulver in the box because they're in the royal box that's just up behind the coach's box like literally just a few rows and he's shouting I'm going to take the team off um I'm going to take the team off the pitch um and so basically at Klein and apparently Klein turned around and said I'll take you off first um and that's pretty much been this is allegedly nice. right and so that was the blow up, and you know, understand. My understanding is that um, things haven't got much warmer since. So um, I think that was pretty much that was a bit of a fracture um, in that whole relationship. Obviously, Castle had nothing to do with it, so she's potentially a bit of a circuit breaker there. But I was fascinated yeah. to see then the whole point of the um, of, of the article um, about uh, a few a couple of days ago um, in Australia, one of Australia's leading or Australia's leading publisher. Um, was um, seemed to be about Castle basically saying, um, "Thanks for letting us know when you think you're going to leave Czech, but um, you know we'll decide who's the next coach. Thanks very much. Yeah, and 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 we'll probably control the timing. It won't be all down just to you." Um, and I thought that was that was a very interesting note. Now whether that was just the journal picking up on it and discerning, you know, deciding to give it a bit of air, but I thought that was kind of like the first sign we have a, had a Raylene you know, just spreading her wings a little bit and making a bit of a statement. And because no doubt one of the biggest issues she's got to, is how to manage Michael Checker um, between now and, 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 and after 2019 and, and 2019 and beyond. Um, so now he's a bit of a force of nature in there. And I think obviously she's needing to sort of exert herself a bit. The, the one thing I hadn't picked up, and it's interesting what you were saying there, Brad, about the stakeholder management that she's been doing mm. and, and and i think you might have touched on it hugh was her with you know the, the patworths and the like have i missed the story has has the sydney club rugby thing bubbled up again yet under her watch no it hasn't bubbled up it's it's i just know that she's met with them it, yeah. it was just stated in an article it's something that she's done it's it, but right. yeah i think it's still i it's I, 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 ch- I tuned into a um uh, a, a Bill and Boz episode on Fox Sports only about two weeks ago that that Brett Papworth was on, funnily enough, and he happened to mention that he'd he'd actually just been speaking with with Raylene Castle that day and and said himself it was a um, you know it was a fulfilling frank exchange of ideas and 
plenty of listening and speaking from both sides, and it, it, it was like he wasn't even remotely critical of, of any conversations coming out of it. So I sort of took that as a bit of a, um, you know, whether it's the smoking of the peace pipe, I don't know. But, yeah, that's mm. certainly – it was, it, was a good, it was a good sign, certainly. Yeah, well, look, I mean, it's great that she's talking to everybody at least, um, although, as we all know, it's impossible to keep everybody happy in Australian rugby. And it's when you can't that uh, <laughs> you start to realise whether you're earning your coin or not. Um, but anyway, good to see some first signs from her. Right, final question was going to be about what are we thinking for round four? Um, so round four looks like this. The 5.35pm, get to the pub early, get a couple of beers in, is the the Highlanders versus the Stormers. Um Highlanders at home. We're not going to bother too much about doing the predictions on these on these on these foreign matches, boys. We'll just do um, the homegrown ones. But um, uh, that's I'm guessing that's going to be the Stormers getting a bit of a flogging there from the Highlanders. But um, yeah, could, third, could be third game on tour. Yeah. Could be good. Could be good after over a few schooners. Then we've got the Rebels hosting the Brumbies. Um, uh, Brett, can the Brumbies pull their act together? So that's yeah. on Friday night. Yeah, they they can and they have to if we if we're completely honest about it. They they just have to be able to turn around a, a, a performance like that, and they only need to look as far as the Reds to see that it can be done and that you can make fairly significant changes to um, you know to, to to significant components within your game within a week to make a difference. So they'll they'll have to do that. Equally, the Rebels know that this is their first test of the year. Um, and I like the fact that they flew home from Tokyo on Saturday night last week. They they got got the last flight out that night to give themselves an extra day in Melbourne in readiness for a Friday night game. So uh, I, I think this is going to be a cracker. And, and I mean, you know, Hurricanes Crusaders is on Saturday afternoon, but um, I think Rebels Brumbies is going to be you know, every bit as um, as intriguing across the board. And, um, and I'm looking forward to, to to those games as much as each, as, as each other. No oh, bloody hell! All right, so you you haven't spoken something down there. Um, Q, <laughs> Rebels, Brumbies, who you got? Uh, I don't know. Um, I, I'll take I'll take the Brumbies um, because I just am a little bit wary of the wounded Brumbies coming down to a Rebels team that might be just. It's a little bit high, a little bit too high on confidence, having disposed of two fairly mediocre sides. Um, and I just wonder if they might be a touch complacent against the Brumby side, who have a mixed record down in Melbourne. They've, they've certainly won a few, but they've also lost a few as well. Pretty, um, pretty shit record in Melbourne the last couple of years, from memory. Yeah, exactly. That, that's um, it's it's underwhelming. But I, I'm, I think the Brumbies have probably got the class edge still, even though the Rebels are. Definitely on the up, upwards, upward um, trajectory. But you've got to say, if the Rebels win this, then they are the real deal. Um, and that will be a, a fantastic little um, story to watch as the year goes on. You hope the crowds start to come back down in Melbourne um, as they all get behind that side, who have never really had any sort of semblance of success in this competition. Right, then. So, Hugh, you've got the Brumbies. Brett, did, were you tipping the Brumbies too? Uh, for... Marginally. Okay, Marginally. so that's a yes. Yeah. Right, I, th- I, think, yeah. I think you're both smoking it. I think the Rebels are going to do that one at home. All right, so... What's, your, what's, have... your, what's your margin then, Captain Confidence? <laughs> um, yeah, I actually, yeah, I think they'll do it okay. I reckon... Um, oh, I feel as confident as 10 points. 
that? <laughs> I was I was thinking there was going to be less than a converted try in it anyway, but ten points yeah. is not does does not sound as free flowing as you were making that out to be. Yeah, no, no. I reckon. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, right. Okay. You thought it was going to be. No, I don't think it's going to be thirty or something. I think no. the, the Brumbies will give it a good grind. But um, anyway, then I then I started thinking about the Rebels. Anyway, uh, maybe I'm not so confident. But anyway, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to give them another win. All right, because of the friend of the pod running them down there. Now, then we've That's got fair. what looks like it's going to be an absolute humdinger: the Hurricanes versus the Crusaders. So if you can get your breath back after that, um, you've You've then got the dessert of the Reds and the Bulls. Um, so, oh, which, wow. which, should we just let them scrummage um, <laughs> for, 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 for eighty minutes um, oh. to see who decides this one? Uh, look, I, no, I've let's seen, let's not let's not leave penalty goals and drop goal attempts out of it. Yeah, look, I've not seen any of the Bulls this this season. I mean, obviously it's a South African side. Why would we have? Um, so you know. What about you, Hugh? Have you have you got any reason you got any reason to call this? Um, look, I've I've actually had a theory actually for the last bubbling away for the last sort of two years, I reckon that that we're couching a very old mindset with these visiting South African sides that that really they don't travel well and they're sort of t- sides you should beat at home and. In a very general sense, that might be true, but I think they, they, they've much improved playing in Australia over the last couple of years, um, and we tend to underestimate what they can do. And I think the Bulls should win this game and uh, probably put the Reds back where we're down down the end of the table. But um, yeah, that's that's my my theory, and and based on watching a number of South African teams come and roll with Tars in Sydney over the past couple of years, although that has been um, hardly, uh, you know, been been a fairly um, standard feat by other teams visiting the Tars, but that's that's another story. All right, mate. So you're going the Bulls. What about you, Brett? Yeah, I th- I think I'd be leaning toward the Bulls as, as well. If the if the Reds try and turn this into a a scrummaging sod fest, then they will be playing into the Bulls' hands. But if they if they can try and open it up a bit, I mean, the Bulls are trying to play a more expansive game, but I've I've been underwhelmed by them in the last eighteen months, if I'm completely honest. So if the if the Reds can sort of turn it into a a fast paced game, you know, play with a bit of wit, then then they might be a chance. And and you know, do you would you use the word upset? I, I don't know. It's they. They're probably fairly evenly matched when you do consider the, the the travel factor in it, but I think the last thing the Reds can do is turn it into a slugfest because I don't think they come out of that well. Right. Well, the Bulls matches so far is they beat the Hurricanes in round two, twenty one nineteen, and then they went down at home uh, to the Lions, thirty five forty nine. Yeah, uh, and the and the, Hur- and the Hurricanes made a mistake of not playing with pace in round one. Um, right. in their first game and so and then as soon as the the Lions you know started playing what's been their natural game the last few years last week the Bulls couldn't keep up and they they they, they that, that score line flatters them because they scored two late tries um, it was going to be a 30 point shellacking until that until they did yeah. that well look I think the Queensland faithful like the one speaking through here tonight um <laughs> yeah, a, a, a very happy to have a game that shows resolve when 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 you win, but uh, when you lose playing like that, um, suddenly it's going to be well even louder. Where's Quaid? Um, okay, I, look, 
and based on that, I can go with the Bulls as well. There you go. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with you on that one here. What okay. I, what, I will, what I will say is the Bulls have the worst playing kit in Super Rugby this season. Yeah, it's not it's not great. No. Uh, that's for sure. Um, alrighty, so that's Saturday night, and then early hours of Sunday morning, twelve oh five. You got the Sharks with the Sunwolves. 2.15am, you got the Lions hosting the Auckland Blues. And then, just in time, you can get up in the morning and over your coffee, you can watch uh, the Waratahs uh, playing the Haguares. Um, so I'll, I'll stay with you on that one, Brett. How you got it? Uh, look, the Waratahs should win this. They, they, just, they just should because the, the Haguares just, uh, they look all over the shop. Um, it's... I'm not seeing, and yes, I, I know it's it's round four. They've only played three games. I thought that Mario Ledesma going back there would have tightened things up around their breakdown, their, around their scrummaging, and it just doesn't appear to have happened yet. Um, and, you know, for all the evident talent they've got out wide, they just don't seem to be using it at all. Um, you know, Nico Sanchez just wants to kick everything away, and there's just not a lot happening. And so... Yeah, they're they're a bit underwhelming. So so the Waratahs should win it, but this is going to be one of those games. And I and I reckon you can throw the Sharks and the the mighty Aussie Moondogs in here as well. That it's going to be that it's either going to be really close or really blow out, and either team could do it. There's, there, there'll just be no logic to this game. It'll it'll end up being something like you know forty five ten, and no one will really understand why. Mm-hmm. Both of those games just. You know, on paper they should be, they, you know, they should be reasonably close, but it it just just won't be, and it won't make sense. Yeah, look, I mean, you, you kind of had that you had that last week. Hurricanes uh, beat the Haguaras in, mm. um, you know, yeah, in, in, in Argentina. Aires, yeah. yeah, exactly, thirty four nine. It was the Haguaras went down to the Lions um, in South Africa, forty seven twenty seven the week before that. And then, hang on, where we go here? And then round one, the Hags went down against the Stormers at Newlands 28-20, which actually, you know, is a respectable scoreline. But um, since then, it's kind of blown out for them. So, look, it would be pretty amazing for the Tars to be able to come back with, you know, sort of eight points or something like that. Uh, sorry, um, six points uh, if they could get this win um, from from a from a, a tour on the road like this. But um, mm. what do you reckon, Hugh? What what are the, what are the chances? Um, look, I think I agree with Brett. I think they should win. Um, now, are they due to drop one? Are they? You know, a lot will hinge, I think, on Kirtley Beal's fitness, um, which is looking fifty fifty. I, I think. I'd suggest if he's if he isn't looking right, they're probably going to rest him um, with a view to later in the year. But you know he's he's just such a classy player. And they don't really have anyone who can fill his role in that midfield position. Um, I think there's enough good signs to suggest that they they can they can get the job done in Argentina. Although the scrum is still looking very shaky. Um, it held up enough against the Sharks, but the Jaguares are going to be pretty tough to deal with. Um, and, and the forwards in tight, you know, there's still a really big question mark over that second row um, with Hannigan and Staniforth. Um, you know, are they big enough? Are they physical enough? I, I'm not sure. There's a, there's a certain that's, – that's their Achilles heel, and, and I think of all of the teams probably positioned to take advantage of them, you'd have to say the Haguares are – 
are in a are in a pretty decent shape on that mm-hmm. front. So I think the Waratahs have got enough class in that side, in, especially in the back line, to get to get enough points on the board. But um, yeah, look, I'll I'll, I'll tip them in in a close one. The scrum, the scrum's where it's going to be won and lost. I, I think if whoever can get it together there, the quickest and the earliest, you know, gets the advantage, starts winning the penalties. The the, the Jags are already averaging one yellow card a game, and we're in round, we're going into round four. Um, you know, so I, I just think that becomes that that it's it's just it's too big an issue for it not to be an issue if that makes sense. I'm looking at. I'm pretty sure I've got this right. I'm looking at Staniforth's stats uh, for the Sharks game, and he had 12 carries and made one meter. Um, I'm pretty it takes, sure that it takes talent to, to run eight centimeters a time each time. It, it does. Yeah, I mean, he had a shocker um, with ball in hand. Look, um, I tend to agree with you there that I can see this one kind of blowing out, and I've got to say as much as I, you know, I'd love it not to be. I think it's going to blow out against the Waratahs. I think that Haguares are going to go back, and they're going to use that scrum as an absolute weapon. Um, they've got some big runners, uh, yeah. and I think they're going to manhandle their way uh, to a victory and potentially... You know, it's one or two little injuries on our side, and I think it could get really, really ugly. So, and they're they're just due. If we're if we're honest, they've been pretty ordinary yeah. for three weeks. They've finally been at home in their own beds for another week, and I, and I think that that can be a, a difference between the two teams, definitely. Oh yeah, and and what a crazy tour this is, right? South mm. Africa and then South America. My God. Mm. Um, anyway, that so, said, how good is breakfast rugby? Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's but, like it's it's like Test cricket in Perth. It just should everything should be played there. It's fantastic. I love it. <laughs> well, maybe true. that's something that maybe that's something that World Series rugby can trial as well, along with the ten point tries. Well, only playing games in Buenos Aires on for, for Sunday morning breakfast. Well, just oh, maybe oh, eight AM games. That's a winner. Eight AM yeah. games. Eight AM games. There you go. That's How a good. Right. Well, look, with all that, it's been great to have you guys back on. We had a good solid hit out. I mean, I basically couldn't shut us up. Um, we've wanged on far too long. Um, so I just want to say thanks very much for coming on, Brett. Good to have you on. It's not even NRC. We should do this more often. We, we, def- we definitely should. And even before the NRC. No, it's been, uh, it's been a blast as always, guys. Great to be back. Good one. And Hugh, good to have you back, mate, on, on Aussie soil. Yeah, look, first first hit out of a long year. I just ask the critics out there not to judge me. It's a long season, and I'll be firing come the business end of the season. <laughs> Good one. All right, boys. Well, we'll see you um, next week. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. And, um, and uh, tune in again for another fantastic dose of uh, Super Rugby and Rugby Insights. Uh, see you next week. Heels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Regan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has to be a de Beer.